What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. Once again, I am your host, Dalton Locke, along with David Overstreet. Hey. And Whitney Williamson. Hey. Uh, now, normally, we wouldn't have guests on the show back to back to back. Uh, we had Johnson last week. We've got Whitney's friend, Alicia, next week for uh, Balance in the Church and Art in the Church. Uh, this week, we were going through our topics, and um, we decided we actually wanted to talk about racism and hate crime on the show uh, in light of uh, Ahmad Alberta's, or is it Alberti? Alberta. You can just call him Ahmad. Ahmad. Being. Yeah. Uh, in light of Ahmad's murder down in Georgia, uh, we wanted to um, speak out against racism uh, in the church and in the world. And uh, so this week we decided to bring on another guest, uh, Desmond Howard. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he's uh, another friend of ours here in the community, and uh, he's I've seen him speak out on these type of things here and there, and so I thought it would be a good idea to have him on the show. Um, so, Desmond, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, first off, my name is Desmond, as Dalton has already said. Um, a little backstory. Won't make it too long. Um, I was born in Dayton, Ohio. Um, go Ohio. But then, <laughs> Are you a Buckeyes um, fan? I oh, yeah, of course. Buckeyes? OH. Oh, OH. Yes, you sir. have the license plate? Yes. That's it. There yeah. you go. But, yeah, I was born in Ohio. Um, and then I moved down to Memphis with my mom when my parents got divorced back in 2001. So I pretty much grew up in Memphis, and I lived there up until I graduated high school. Then I moved to Murfreesboro in pursuits of getting a college degree, but that never worked out. Um, so, yeah, i just been living in the borough for the past six years now. Moved here in 2014, it's 2020, so yeah, okay. six years. Yeah. What, have, uh, what are some things that God has done in your life since you moved to Murfreesboro? Um, well, I would say the number one thing right now is, um, I found a fiance, a future wife. So. Okay. Okay. So. There you go. Got to give her a shout out. Yeah. A shout out to Sharon White. Soon to be Sharon Howard. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you ready for that married life, man? Don't have a choice. <laughs> hey, oh, he day chose. by day. Yeah, day by day. Life gets day. Old after day a while, by man. day. Right. Um, but yeah, um, I would say just being blessed in that aspect of, finding a future wife where we'll be able to pursue God and talk about these type of topics and things with our kids if we decide to have kids or if we're blessed enough to have kids and it'll be an interracial marriage. Mm-hmm. That and just bless me with a son. Um, I have a four-year-old who also came from an interracial relationship. So um, I would say those are like two of the main things. And also, like I thought I was a Christian when I moved here, but that definitely wasn't the case at all. So I would say God has definitely put me in a community where they shaped and formed my current mindset on Christianity and changed my mindset on what it means to be a Christian and live a Christian-based life, so to say. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really good. So uh, this, this week we're talking about some pretty controversial things, um, things that uh, have a tendency to divide people who talk about it, stuff like that. Um we definitely want to be as uh, civil as possible. First of all, we are um, we're all Christians, and so we we are first and foremost representatives of Christ. Yeah, and sure. uh, and so that's well that's how all of us on the show want to portray this message today. Um, we're not here to tell you what's right and wrong, um, but we're here to make you think about what's right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bible perspective. Yeah, good Bible perspective. The Bible is the standard; it's not a suggestion. You know. 
as Whitney was saying earlier over dinner. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking about racism, hate crime, the history of slavery in America, uh, just different topics like that, trying to shed a Christian light on these topics um, and to navigate how to deal with these topics as Christians. Um, and so we brought Desmond on to the show um, to talk about these things so that uh, we could have his perspective alongside ours. And uh, so let's get to it. All right. Let's get to it. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to ask you, Desmond, when referring to the black community, is it offensive to say black? Is it offensive to say African-American? Stuff like that. Um, I feel like that just depends on who you ask. But yeah. in my opinion, I don't feel like it's offensive to say black American or African-American because mm, that's where all of our roots come from. Right. from Africa. So. Yeah. No, it's not offensive at all to say black or African-American. Gotcha. It really doesn't matter. Right. Um, I've heard some people say uh, people of color. Is that just like, does that have a... Um, I feel like the word people of color probably has more of a... Racial undertones. Negative. Yeah. Negative. Um, yeah, racial undertones. Yeah. Negative connotation to it just because, like... Not only 50 to 80 years ago, we were being called colored people. So right. mm. I always feel like the saying people of color were probably a little bit more offensive. Yeah. I don't take offense to it, but some people may. So. Right. Yeah. Um, all in all, it's more the tone that's yeah. under the that's underneath the word. Yeah, right. most so, definitely. So white people just, you know, relax, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm sure if you're in a conversation with someone, you know, they're, they're going to know that you don't mean that you're – where your heart's at, stuff like that. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so first, we're going to try and define racism. Um, so how would you define racism, Desmond? Um, I personally would define racism as separation and division between different cultures mm -hmm. and kind of having an elitist mindset about your race or culture, thinking that it's better than one other race or one other culture right um it can go for any culture um that can be white people can be racist against black people black people can be racist against other white people or black people of different skin tones can have like that type of racist mindset against other black people of different so there's skin e so there's even racism within the same race oh yeah for sure yeah i mean just that mindset of thinking like you're better than another person just because your skin is lighter regardless if you're, quote-unquote, a light-skinned black person or a dark-skinned black person like myself, um, I feel like racism can go anywhere. Yeah. Have you ever encountered racism, uh, like, in your own life, whether directly or indirectly? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, multiple times, especially growing up in Memphis, because mm -hmm. if you guys didn't know, Memphis is, like, one of the most segregated cities in America. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, just, like, some of the different things that they did in the city with, like, how they changed the school systems. And, mm. like, it's more systemic and like, the division in, like, neighborhoods and mm. different fundings that different neighborhoods and communities get. Yeah, Memphis is still pretty segregated. It's just not as blatant to the naked eye. Right. Um, but, yeah, growing up, um, I, was, I definitely experienced some racism or prejudiced or being a victim of stereotypes yeah. about black people. Um, 
one story I like to tell because it's quick and easy. Um, one time, me and my friend, we were riding around in his mom's car, and the police pulled us over, and they said the car was stolen. It wasn't. It was his mom's car. So they took us out the car, questioned us, asked us all these different questions, and tried to place us under arrest and say that the car was stolen, but his mom came to the rescue um, and saved us from that situation. So, I mean, that's one of the things I've experienced Yeah. in regards to racism. Just one out of many. Um, and I would say, like, some indirect things are um, just working out in Williamson County, mm-hmm. like, trying to be nice to people and, like, speak and say, like, hey, hello. Like, I'll speak to them. They'll kind of, like, turn their shoulder or give me a dirty look. But then mm-hmm. a person of their same race will speak to them. And they'll have a full-blown conversation with them. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Whitney, David, have y'all ever experienced racism uh, from either another white person or um, a black person? Or was it direct or indirect? Was it, like, towards you or towards somebody else? Um, I remember when I was... Uh, my best friend growing up was um, he was light skinned but uh, it was kind of the same thing that you were talking about I know that certain members of my family that were older were very skeptical yeah. of, um, of him mm-hmm. um, and I didn't think that was fair because you know, he was my best friend so always kind of a tug of war between my family and my best friend you know and I, I hated that it was that way Oh, no, man. I feel like um, just with that, like saying like how your family was, mm-hmm. like some of the older members of your family. Yeah. Um, like just growing up, that's how like they were taught. Um, yeah. So I believe like an important thing that we all have to do mm-hmm. is like unlearn, unlearn some of the negative things that we were taught growing up. Yeah. Unlearn some of the negative stereotypes we were yeah. taught growing up. Um, and I feel like there'll be a way that we can continue or start to combat like racism and prejudice and maybe like stop using trigger words like racism and use like prejudice. Right. Um, Cause sometimes when having a conversation with someone, you can say something like that and it becomes a trigger word and then they'll just shut down completely. Yeah. That makes sense. And you got to find people too, who, whose hearts are willing to do that. Yeah, for sure. You know, like some people, they're just so locked into their, their mindset and mm-hmm. they don't want to change. They don't want to think about, anything else yeah so you, that's also another part of it just or put yourself in someone else's shoes like look yeah. at it from a perspective that's not your own yeah. yeah a person in my family growing up was a closet racist and yeah. so he would never say anything to a black person mm-hmm. but behind closed doors you know he had all these things to say about how terrible they were and yeah stuff like that and um and so growing up that person had authority in my life and so I never said anything but how can we I'm asking the room here how can we combat that uh, whether it's just indirect racism where or, or prejudice um, where people are just talking badly or whether it's actually physical um, injustices uh, connected to racism how can we combat that First thing you gotta stand up. You gotta yeah. say something, yeah. even though it's uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, for sure. And even if you're in front of your family and close friends, and you just have to say something. Yeah. yeah. Definitely have to step out that comfort zone sometimes. Yeah. Um, and just speak out or 
and just say something or have a conversation with them one on one. Yeah. Um, yeah. if you don't want to confront them in front of everyone, because sometimes we can react differently when confronted in front of a large crowd as opposed to having one on one conversation. Um, doing things like this. Yeah. Yeah. Those like the are show. ways to combat Creating it. Awareness. Yeah. yeah. Bringing awareness to it, raising awareness. Um. Listening to like different things from people from other races. Um, like say you go to a predominantly white church, possibly like listen to a pastor from a predominantly black church. Yeah. Um, you know, Tony just Evans. Finding, I love Tony Evans. I just oh yeah, say. <laughs> Tony Evans is awesome. But yeah, just doing like different things like that. I feel like that that is where your mindset begins to change, and you'll see how much more alike we are, as opposed to how quote-unquote different we appear from each other yeah right yeah um i'll just tell a story there was one time that uh my aunt in georgia she referred me to a church out in franklin and so um i was going out there and um she wasn't really clear on the direction she just so she just told me it was out in franklin and that she knew the pastor there and stuff like that and so um i found the church that i thought she had meant and i went there and um there was uh i parked i was getting there a little bit late I parked uh another woman parked next to me and she got out and she was black and uh I was saying hey to her uh asking how asking her how she was doing and she kind of gave me this look it wasn't um you're white what are you doing here she it was you don't know where you're at (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, and so I followed her in and it was it was a predominantly black church and so um I wasn't uncomfortable in the fact that everybody there was black. I was uncomfortable in the fact that I didn't know where I was at. And yeah. I thought I was going to be meeting people uh, that I was supposed to meet tonight. Yeah. And so it was just awkward for me. Yeah. Uh, but I, I stayed during the service because um, I didn't want it to look like I realized I was in a black church and then yeah, just leave. For sure. Um, and it was. It was a good service. The worship was different, mm-hmm. of course. Um, there was nothing different about it except the color of their skin. Yeah. You know, I, I think it is about education, about educating everybody that there's nothing different about us. You know, we're all Christians. We uh, we all serve the same God. Yeah. You know, we are all made in his image. Mm-hmm. And we all just want to live good Christian lives. Yeah. You know, um, so what are some unique things that Christians can do to combat racism? What do y'all think? Um, I feel like some unique things Christians can do are just beginning to like go to different conferences and things like that, that are hosted by predominantly black churches. If you're white and vice versa, if you're black, so you can just begin to not only like learn about like how that other race goes about their worship gatherings and how they go about living their Christian life, but just to meet people and then Mm -hmm. begin to have, conversations and maybe those type of conversations can arise um like a beautiful thing that i was able to attend a few years ago it was called the mlk 50 um in light of 50 years since his death right an anniversary of all of that and it was put on by the erlc which is a predominantly white um entity okay it was awesome like um they brought together like the different races and things like that and I learned a lot about racism and in the churches and everything that I didn't know about before so it was even good for me and other brothers and sisters of different races and colors of their skin so 
and that was good. So I feel like that's the start of it, mm-hmm. like just doing things like that. Um, I feel like reading the Bible is one. Yeah. Um, the Good Samaritan is always a great story to refer back to. Yeah. Because um, that would have been the equivalent of a black man getting beat up in the 50s and 60s in Mississippi and a white man stopping to help him. Yeah. And nurture him and nature him up to get him better. So, I mean, just small things like that. Okay. Um, I think one thing for sure is uh, just praying on it oh, yeah. daily. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, these things, they, uh, as Whitney uh, was saying earlier, again, at dinner. Um, <laughs> it was a good dinner. What did I miss? You, did, you missed a lot, man. Uh, but anyway, there, so it's not just everything that's going on in the physical world. There are spiritual things behind all this. And I think that racism is definitely one of the devil's toys that he likes to use yeah. when messing with God's children mm-hmm. uh, and just the people of the world. And so it, it's good to recognize that it's not just the people, it's what's behind it. Um, and so we should pray and fast on these things, praying to God for, for an end to it, of course, uh, but how to deal with it when it comes, um, praying for strength when we're given the opportunity to defend against it um, as well as fasting. I'm, I'm big on fasting. Um, the Jews, they would spend time, uh, fasting for, you know, one, two, three days when they were looking for an answer for something. Um, you know, they would, uh, put off all the things of the flesh and just listen to God and hunger for his word, hunger, uh, for what he would have to say, um, when they were faced with opposition and stuff like that. And I think that's the same thing that we can do. We can take example from that. I think that a lot of times, like, racism to me is, like, people who are angry. Yeah. And when you're angry, it's usually a reflection of what you don't understand. Yeah. So I think that we should all make kind of a better effort to understand each other's cultures Mm -hmm. and um, really try and find a way to meld them into one. And I think Christianity, that is really a tool that we can use to unite everyone um inviting people to church going like you said going to other churches i really think that that's that's kind of a doorway and i think that that's intentional by god yeah like we were talking about earlier at dinner it's part of being connected as the body of christ and a lot of times we want to blame other people when really we need to stand up and take responsibility in the area that's been given to us and be a good steward of what's been given to us and that has to do with how we treat other people And like you guys said, standing in the gap whenever you see those kind of things and people being victimized and making sure that you're treating people with love, Mm. you know, because the two greatest commandments is love God with all your heart, your mind and your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Your neighbor is anybody, any person. The Bible doesn't separate in those areas and neither should we. It's really a tactic and a tool of the enemy to cause division in the body. But we're part of one body, the body of Christ. And if it's not honoring to God, we shouldn't be partaking in it. Yeah. And another thing that we were talking about at dinner as well was just like we have to get past the victim mentality. And that doesn't mean not recognizing that it's not there, but that means recognizing that we're new creations in Christ and we have authority in Jesus name. And we can take authority over situations like that in prayer, because if people are that angry and that hostile and that upset, they obviously are dealing with things spiritually and they need prayer, too. Yeah, because they're at a more unhealthy state than we are being victimized by it. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like the scripture to go to for that is 
Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then it talks about putting on the whole armor of God and like what, what that looks like in Christ. And so we have a responsibility as believers to stand up and fight for one another in prayer. Yeah, for sure. Like you have to remember that we all have the same responsibility and that's to proclaim the gospel. Right. Um, so that it doesn't have a race tagged onto it saying, oh, white people proclaim here, black people claim here. It's like, no, go out amongst the world and proclaim it, period. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, listen to what other people are saying. Like I said, having conversations. Um, try to seek and create authentic relationships with people of different races. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes when like you first meet a person, like the first few encounters may be super like surface level. Yeah. Um, so it's like if you build that relationship and friendship, um, then it's like you can get down to the quote unquote nitty gritty yeah. yep. things and then you can start to get somewhere and start yeah. to understand. So that's always beautiful. Um, yeah. Just reading different books mm-hmm. um, by people who don't look like you. Um, they can go both ways or white people reading um, books by authors who are black and black people reading books by authors who are white. There was a book um, written by um, it was a couple couple hundred years ago. Uh, I think his name was John Davis, maybe. Uh, anyway, he was a slave, um, and he wrote about uh, his faith in God while he was in slavery. Um, and I've heard that's a really good book. I haven't read it myself, um, but I've been interested in picking it up. So I might do that here pretty soon. Okay, so going on, uh, building off of uh, building relationships with other people, how can white people approach approach black people in their community without coming off as awkward or um, just saying the wrong things? Um, one is knowing that you're not perfect, yeah. so you'll probably never say the perfect thing to someone else because right. we're not Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing um and i feel like it there will probably it will probably be awkward because we're stepping out of our comfort zones Mm -hmm. um so it may not come off like the right way yeah um it may come off wrong you may say some wrong things but that's fine um that's just something to build off of and then maybe eventually down the road you can joke about it later yeah yeah for sure. You get to know him better. So, yeah, I've had that I mean, happen to me plenty of times. Yes. <laughs> like, it, it's probably going to be awkward, and that's fine. Um, you just have to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And keep pursuing it and actively pursuing it because I guarantee you what that person will remember isn't the awkward stage. They'll remember that you were genuinely interested in getting to know them mm-hmm. and getting to know different things and getting different perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just got to push past the awkward phase, man. Right. <laughs> See, I like that you had said you just got to, like, go and do it anyway. Yeah. Because we're called to go out, and a lot of us always wait to be invited in. Mm-hmm. But part of walking with God is to go out. Like, it's called the great commission, not the great invitation. <laughs> and I heard John Maxwell teach on that before, and it's true. So it's part of that having the boldness of Christ and being more concerned about, like you said, with the story with the Good Samaritan. Like, when we look at things like that, we're looking at what's going to happen to me if I do. Mm -hmm. And we're not looking at what could happen to them if I don't. Right. Another thing you said about building relationships, I think a big part of it is just listening. Like, you say yourself, you want to be authentic with it. 
And part of that is just, again, just being willing to listen and not overtake and make it so much about yourself, you know? Like you'd want respect from other people too, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of my good friends who's no longer with us anymore used to say, uh, be interested, not interesting. Mm. There you go. That's good. Mm, that's something like Whitney would say usually. Actually, <laughs> she's I've got the big camera <laughs> phrases. <laughs> Actually, I, I've heard that before. Our pastor had mentioned that, and I don't know where he got it, but it's one of those things that stuck with me too. Yeah. Another thing he had said in that topic was, if you're talking to somebody and you're nervous, you're more concerned about yourself than you are about them. Yeah. And that really hit home for me because even just greeting people at church in general can be awkward. Because, like, you don't want to say the wrong thing to push them away. Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to not acknowledge them and not make them feel welcome. And so there's kind of a fine line there. And so just even greeting new people, depending on what background you came from, can be awkward. And so he he had said that. And it went along the lines of, you need to be interested in people and not worry about so much if you're interesting. Exactly. Mm, that's good. So uh, let's kind of delve into hate crime and uh, the reality of that in America. Um, How should we go about dealing with hate crime when it happens? Should we um, just remain silent on it, or should we just, like, behind closed doors pray about it and stuff, or should we speak out? Um, Thoughts? I would say... um always continue to pray regardless if a new hate crime comes about or doesn't come about just always pray um just for the healing of this country and not only this country but the world and people's mindsets behind hate crimes like Ahmad who was murdered down in Georgia pray for him and his family and also pray for the men who did that yeah um, like Whitney was saying earlier like those two men they need prayer more than anything mm-hmm um, even though they may be locked up into solitary confinement, like just pray that they'll be able to find God in, in that and realize what they did was wrong. And hopefully God can change them and change their hearts. Uh, um, I would say speaking out is good also. Like acknowledgement of it is good. Um, remaining silent, in my opinion, is kind of like the stance of, oh, okay, yeah, I see that, but... I really don't care. Like, I really don't yeah. want to touch on that or step on that because of how it may affect my social status, um, friends I may lose, and just all different types of things like that. So I would definitely say speak out, continue to pray about it. Yeah. Um, continue to talk to people yeah. um, about it. And acknowledgement and prayer, I would say, are the two biggest things. Like, acknowledge that it happens, then continue to pray. Yeah. And I would definitely say when you're talking to people about it, talk with an open heart and an open mind, you know, don't go into the conversations with the mindset that you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, actually try and have an intellectual conversation with the person and hear their point of view and, um, stuff like that, no matter which side you're on. Um, because at the end of the day, there are two sides of the story and we don't know both sides. Um, we only have the facts that we're looking at. Um, and so it's important to know where other people are coming from, uh, and to try and find common ground and build off of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I would just kind of add on to, to what you were saying as, um, I think about the, so about being afraid of losing your social circle or some friends, because 
the Twitter hate is real, guys. <laughs> like the Facebook stuff, people get some for some reason they think just because they're behind a computer they can just say whatever they want to say, and it's just disrespectful and it doesn't. It's not a, a civil conversation. It doesn't invite civil dialogue. It divides people. Yeah. You know, Twitter's been getting all this like hate from people about who they ban, who they don't, if they have bias against a certain group, or if they don't. I mean, why can't we all just be respectful of one another? And I think social media is a tool that it's not supposed to, it, it can be a tool, but it could also be, you know, it could also be a downfall, you know. Um, but I just, we just need to learn how to express our thoughts better and more um, intelligently on social media. Yeah. That we also need to be more humble, too. Just if we don't actually know information about a certain topic, then either look up the information or don't talk about it. Yeah. Whitney, sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, No, my friend Bria, she had told me um, she was working on something, you know, with God, and she said that it needs to enter through through three gates. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And a lot of people think it's true and it's necessary, but it's not kind. And we were talking earlier about the book of James, and it talks about how can you bless God with your mouth and curse your brother made in his likeness. From the same mouth comes blessings and curses, and you'll be held accountable for every idle word. Mm. And so being mindful of what you speak and what you take in um, and not adding fuel to the fire, even when you see the opportunity and you want to and you want to defend on those kind of platforms, not giving opportunity to the devil by adding flame to it. Like, hate can't cast out hate. Only love can do that. And also not undermining someone else's experience and what they've been through. And that's part of the humility you guys were talking about. Just because you haven't personally been victimized by something like that doesn't mean that you should disregard someone else and what they've been through. Yeah. Do you think that... I'm asking the room here. Do you think that our justice system is corrupt in that area is it corrupt as an entire entity or is it corrupt just in regions um is racism is fueled by that or is it not fueled by that do you think that uh the justice system is corrupt in that in the idea of racism i think just as past situation with um fallen brother might just with that happening in February and it being May mm-hmm. and it just now coming out and the two men who committed the murder are just now being charged like it like that shows you that the justice system is corrupted was would you say that's the justice system or the media that held out on that I would say it's the justice system okay um because if it wasn't for the media the justice system wouldn't have going back and reviewed it and okay arrested the two men and you asked if it was like regional or passed down like throughout the nation um i feel like it's all over the place um mm-hmm. there's been multiple occasions of like just black and brown people being murdered and slain like an animal in a way by police officers all over the place you can look in new york um st louis or just Missouri as a whole, Louisiana, Florida, with Trayvon Martin, 
um, Mike Brown, the list goes on and on and on, and they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I would just say it's corrupt as a whole, and that's something that we have to speak up and speak out against and yeah. hopefully begin to change. Um, yeah. And that's not only in the United States. I'm pretty sure that's worldwide as well. Yeah. So. Okay. So with that in mind, um, when God tells us uh, through the inspired written word um, to obey authorities, how does that sort of like make you feel um, when you when you when you feel that way about? Yeah. I mean, so it's like if I'm if I'm getting pulled over for speeding, um, obviously already didn't obey God's command by obeying authority because there's a set speed limit and I was speeding and I got pulled over. Um, but I'm just not going to like buck up to the police officer yeah. or deputy or trooper or whoever pulled me over. Um, I'm going to be respectful because one, I was in the wrong, I was breaking the law. Mm-hmm. So off rip, like I was sinning and not obeying God's word by obeying the law and authority to obey God's law is is not surface level. It goes deeper than just right. like the act of where you begin to like speak out and get angry and upset if something like that happened. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You have to look at what you're doing before. But then again, it doesn't like not hold like if that situation was to go like far right and I was to get my life taken from speeding. Yeah. Like that doesn't not hold that officer accountable for exactly. the sin that he committed also. Like, it's a two-way street, and I feel like it's a very fine line of, like, black, white, and gray. Yeah. Um, Different opinions clashing, so. Right. Um, So, building off of what you mentioned there about uh, it becoming a life-or-death situation, um, many people in the black community are afraid for their lives when when encountering officers of the law. Um, So what would your advice be to them or your just your thoughts on how you would react if you genuinely felt that your life was in danger when dealing with authority? Would you try and comply and just deal with it with whatever comes through the law uh, eventually, or would you try and save your life? Um, I wish I had the perfect answer for this, but I don't. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, I can tell you the things that I hope I would be doing in that situation, and that's praying um, that God would change the officer's heart, like right then and there, if it did get down in that matter. Um, but also just praying that, you know, you won't have to encounter that period. Um, yeah. Hopefully that it never gets to that point. Right, um, preemptive prayer, which is something yeah. that we talk about all the time. Yeah, so it's like, one, I just have to be on my P's and Q's and make sure, like, <laughs> Like, everything is intact. Like, if I'm going out driving, like, okay, are all my lights working? Okay, is this working? Is that, is that working? Um, I'll be in the laws. Um, because there is that, like, underlying fear that you could possibly lose your life um, if an encounter went bad. Um, and it may not be your fault at all. Mm-hmm. It may be that that officer was having a bad day and he got on a power trip and you reminded him of something in his past that like there can be like a whole snowball effect of things that yeah. cause the officer to act that way or there, there 
may just be like a hate of that race and an mm-hmm. underlying sense of prejudice and racism. Yeah. And that officers, so you really didn't stand a chance, period. But, yeah, I mean, just continue to pray. Continue to pray, just yeah. Just continue to pray that just God changes the hearts of everyone. Yeah. Um, including yeah. myself. Yeah. I, uh, I ask that because I'm trying to put myself in uh, the situation of a black man who's dealing with that who is in an encounter with an officer. Okay, trying to put myself in the position of like Ahmad, um, who isn't doing anything wrong, but he's being encountered by an officer. He knows he isn't doing anything wrong, and suddenly it it feels like a life or death situation. And oftentimes it could be even a a life and life situation, either your life is taken or you spend life in jail for something that you didn't even do, which is often the case for many people. or it was uh, what was that? What was that docu series on Netflix about the four black men who were put in jail when they were children? Oh yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. Can't yeah. think of the name right yeah. now, but I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. They uh, they were sentenced life, but they finally got out because yeah. they were proven innocent yeah. eventually. See, I hate that. Like, what happened to the you're innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. I I hate that it has come down to this. Well, th- well, that's the thing, um, especially, I'm sure, in the black community, they don't feel like it's ever been that way for them. Yeah. Um, it's it's finally, you know, backing off a little bit. But uh, So I'm trying to put myself in, in their shoes and thinking about, you know, what I would do. Um, and I can't blame them. You know, I can't blame Ahmad for wanting to run away and then, you know, defending himself against these two guys and by the way i don't think either of them were officers either one of one one of them was a retired cop but he was retired he wasn't on duty or anything like that you know i i hear white people all the time talk about well they shouldn't have run or they shouldn't have tried to defend themselves and stuff like that but i can't blame them in my opinion um because you know that your adrenaline's running at that point. But uh, I would like to think that I would continue to comply and just deal with whatever is dealt to me through the justice system, whether it's just or not, um, and then just keep my faith in God. Desmond, do you have any thoughts on that? I feel like that's a tricky one because, like, I would love to say that I would just comply um or yeah you know i will hope that god uses me through this and it changes everything and i can be the cornerstone for the change of this in america but like just just hearing about all these encounters and things like that it it does make me angry Mm -hmm. um and it kind of gets me to the point of like we're just being honest here like okay if i know my life is about to get taken like i want your family to feel the same thing my family is about to feel and i know that's not the right mindset um and i have to pray for that mindset to change and yeah be a little bit more humble about the situation but oh no i feel like it's hard to say what i would or wouldn't do in that situation because you never know um fear may arise and you could go to fight or flight mode um yeah you just never know in those situations um I would like to say that I would comply, but honestly, do not know at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I've been pulled over before with 
one of my black friends in the car and then actually I had a white friend in the back seat and the police officer would not come up to the window and talk to me at all. He did all his encountering through a white friend who was in the back seat. Are you serious? So serious. This happened probably about two, three years ago. He he would not talk to me, encounter me. He did everything through the back window. He was afraid, um, I felt like. And then, you know, I made the comment, just making sure that he knew what I was doing because I was afraid, like, hey, my license and registration is in a glove compartment. I'm about to reach for the glove compartment with my right hand, keeping my left hand on the steering wheel. I'm reaching for my right hand, the glove compartment. Um, and I'll try to hand it to him. He would, like, hand it to her in the back seat. I'll take it from her. So mm. um, I guess that's, that's the way that I was – I don't know if you would call that direct or indirect racism, but just things like that. Um, like I complied in that situation because I was afraid. Like I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, don't know. I wish I had the perfect answer, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Des, let me ask you this. Um, What's up? So, do you believe the system as it stands right now is designed to put black people at a disadvantage? Um. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, a story I would like to give an example is you can take a black and white person. Um, you can put them in the same community, give them the same exact job. Say it's at a country club or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say like the black person was in charge of getting all the stray balls and things like that off the golf course. I don't know what you would call that. Um, and let's say he made $10 an hour and mm-hmm. then you had the white person who was, like I said, they both work in the same place, went in with the same abilities and skills and he was like a team lead or a manager, but mm-hmm. they both got paid the exact same $10 here and $10 mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So eventually down the line, like that white person be able to put on their resume that, oh, you know, I was a manager or a team lead or something at the local country club, as opposed to the black person, he doesn't have like that resume building type job title so to say so it's like if you look at that it's like that white person's already ahead even yeah. though they got paid the same did the same amount of work the white person is ahead just based off of a job title um and there have been studies where um you can take a, a poor white person and a poor black person and the white person is more likely to get more job opportunities and opportunities to go further in life just based off the color of their skin so really Oh yeah, hmm. so I. It's just things like that. So I would definitely say yeah. Hmm. Um, the system is set up for us as black people to where we pretty much have to work three times as harder. Um, things like that just to prevail. I mean, an easy way to think of it is, say me and Dalton were running a hundred meter dash, um, and the hundred meter dash be. Uh, metaphor for life um and let's say just because he was white you would start him at the 40 meter line and i'll have to start at the start line mm-hmm. like who is more likely to win the race regardless of athleticism or anything <laughs> like that i was about to say <laughs> you got me beat desmond <laughs> so it's like you have to think of it that way like who is more likely to win the race the person that started at the 40 meter line so yeah um um so what would you say like as far as like businesses um, because I would say, like, when people are looking 
for an applicant, you know, they're looking for the best qualified applicant. Mm -hmm. um, and what benefit does it give to the business to choose a white person of a black, over a black person? Um, it just depends. Uh, mm. Based off of stereotypes and things like that, um, if you take that white person and you send them to a different part of the world, um, because I believe like worldly culture is quote unquote whitewashed. Um, I can explain that later. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that would be better for the business because he would probably get talked to more and pursued more just because he's white um, as opposed to a black man. Mm -hmm. Or like it could go the other way where it's like people are like, oh wow, a black person is in this position. Like I really want to talk to him and figure out like what he did to get here or mm -hmm. things like that. So it can go either way, but it's like mainly the white person may have an advantage just based off the color of their skin and say they have to talk to someone from an older generation um, that's been taught like, you know, it's not, it's not right unless it's white um, and things like that. So that may be an advantage in that situation or it may not be, but, mm -hmm. but then again, it's like, it may be advantage for the black person because their business has to have X amount of diversity. Yeah. I've seen that too. Unfortunately, yeah. like where they're like, Oh, we need to hire somebody because of the diversity. Like we need diversity. Yeah. And we do need diversity, but that shouldn't be the sole decision. It should be on the context of their character. Yeah. Over who is better for this position. Not, Oh, he's black and he can almost do the same things as him. He's not as qualified, but yeah, it'll help us meet those numbers. So they yeah. can't say we're <laughs> not being diverse and we're being racist. Yeah. Um, the beautiful thing about um, about capitalism is really the only color they care about is green. You know, um, and I hate that you know that's that's a case. You know where you, you don't look at qualifications, you look at color of skin. Yeah. Um, and you know that's just something that I've been curious about. Like, like let's say, you know. You open a bakery, right? Mm -hmm. And you decide that you're going to treat a certain um, race of people differently than another race. Well, you're going to lose those customers, right? And the business across the street is going to get those customers. Um, so you'd think that, like, well, why would you be that way? Because you're going to lose the business and you're not going to make the money, you know? But that's just something that I've been curious about. Um well, now I'm like, Whitney, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Is there anything that you wanted to ask us, Desmond? Um, yeah, like, um, this is for the room. Mm -hmm. I know you spoke on it earlier. Um, now, like, knowing what you know, like, going forward, like, what are some of the things you guys think that I can do to possibly help you guys and others on social injustices and systematic racism and things like that and like what are some of the things that you guys think that you can do as well yeah um to help like push that movement forward um in the gospel lens like yeah like what are some things that you guys think i can do and what are some things that you guys think you can do yeah um for me definitely having more conversations mm -hmm. like this um not even like public ones, but just 
personal one-on-one conversations because I've had maybe two or three in my life, and I don't feel like that's enough. I feel like uh, it, it doesn't. I don't have to be an activist or anything, but I can at least talk about these things, get other people's opinions, develop my own opinion, and just speak out against it um, whenever I see it. Uh, and then to continue praying and to maybe even have public sessions of prayer and worship uh, dedicated to abolishing these type things. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any harm in having a night of worship and prayer dedicated to, you know, the end of racism and the end of social injustice and stuff like that. So that's one thing that I think I can do better. One thing that I think the, uh, I'm just going to say the black community, not just you, um, can do is to uh, try and stay away from like cliques and including other peoples of race. Yeah. Uh, in in your friendships, like you were saying earlier, just showing that you yourself are a device. D- What's the word I'm looking for? Diverse, diverse, diverse. person. Uh, yeah. That you yourself are a diverse person, and that you're willing to not just hang out with people that look like you. Yeah. Because um, I've noticed that in the churches uh, that I've attended, that even though the church is diverse, there's still cliques. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the white people way. hang out with the white people. The yeah. black people hang out with the black people. Mm-hmm. Um, Sprinkle a little bit of salt with the pepper. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, Well-seasoned food. Yeah. And, of course, uh, I, I do know that that can be uncomfortable because, one, it's not only it's not just the fact that, you know, your the sc- color of your skin is different. It's also it is a culture thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, white people don't share the same culture as black people. Uh, and so it's it's just different, and people don't like different. And so they gotta they gotta step outside their comfort zone and stuff like that. Um, so one thing that I think the black community and other communities that aren't white is to be aware of how welcoming they seem. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they aren't welcoming, but just be aware of how welcoming they are, um, and making sure that a white person feels comfortable walking up to them and saying, you know, just hey, can we hang out? Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you gotta stop being so offended about everything. That's yeah. one thing I can say about the, the black community as a whole. Um, I feel like sometimes we're just so quick to jump on a person because of their ignorance and classified as racism or prejudice, but really they just like wanted to know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you are right. We have to stop being like so offended about everything and be a little bit more welcoming and willing to like um, consider just having those conversations so yeah that's good I definitely agree with that yeah yeah like creating that safe place to be able to ask questions that like sometimes might come off like you guys said like you're not intending for it to come off of any kind of like racist remark at all but you want to understand because you don't you just don't know Mm -hmm. like there's assumptions of how you think people see you but then there's also people are just actually ignorant and want to know Mm -hmm. but don't know how to ask the questions and they feel awkward asking them but, like, they want to know and they want to understand and they want to get to be a part and in, in join culture, mm-hmm. like, each other's culture and to know that better. And sometimes it's just getting past that place of either being offended or not feeling comfortable asking. Because if you don't ask, you don't know. Yeah. You only know what you know. Yeah. And having diverse friendships, having diverse relationships, 
really being intentional about that. Because I don't think anybody's ever intentionally not, but like they're not being intentional towards it either. Like they just don't think about it. It's like a default setting almost that you have. Mm. You just feel comfortable around what you know. Yeah. And it's, it's not even anything against anyone else. You just want a place where you feel understood and you feel like people share the same interest in the same thing as you. And you don't mean to be that way and that it, it becomes that way because we're not being intentional. Yeah. Um, I think one thing the white community can do a little bit better is to open dialogue. Just to not be afraid to have a conversation with the black community about things that they're struggling with, things that we're struggling with, and just try and see if we can find a common ground um, and find it in Jesus and find it in Christ. Um, I think that one thing the black community can do better is like what you were saying um, about the hostility. I know sometimes I've felt like um, there's anger there at me for things that, that I haven't done. Um, or things that maybe, maybe, maybe something that has happened in the past that, um, and I could say this for white people too, that has made, um, has, has caused there to be a lot of anger there. And sometimes I feel like, whereas white people, we should open dialogue. I feel like the black community shouldn't shut it down. Yeah. We should, we should let each other speak. We should listen, you know, that's why we're doing this. And I think this has really helped me a lot. Um, and I hope that it's that it's helped you too in yeah, some way sure. you know um, so. i feel like our no this isn't uh this isn't i uh, i feel <laughs> like question this is a fact our common ground is we're all sinners and we have to carry our cross daily and seek jesus daily absolutely that's that's our common ground so i feel like that's a good starting ground also absolutely. like we're all sinners um we're we're all trying to make a change in the world some way shape form or fashion um, and we all need Jesus. So, yeah. like, that's one common ground right there. That's right. That we all have to realize, like, no one is better than the other, just like no sin is greater than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all sinners and need Jesus. And guess what? The tomb is still empty, so. Amen. That's where our Amen. hope is in. Um, it's not in this world that the systems may change or judges may change or anything like that because they may never change while we're still alive or in this world. But. When Jesus comes back, like, it's going to be a huge celebration of all the cultures and different communities and different races and everything. And we'll all share one goal yeah. and one thing that Jesus is our Savior. And we believe in that. And he came to make all things new. Yeah, so that's right. Sin knows no color. Exactly. Like, that's our common ground right there. We're all sinners and we need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. That's so good. That's good. I think... I've pretty much, we we as a whole have pretty much hit everything that I had in my notes mm-hmm. um, for the episode. So if nobody had anything else that they just have written on their hearts that they want to say, anything. Whitney, I feel like you usually have something. <laughs> I feel like I said everything over pizza before we ever did. got in front yeah. of I told you we to should have mic'd her show. up. Yeah, we should have mic'd her up while she was eating pizza. <laughs> yeah. What we got in the real I podcast. I have my best <laughs> conversations with food. There you she go. Does. She <laughs> loves food so much, that's why. Well, Desmond, I want to thank you for coming out. Yeah. Yes, um, also, thank you so much for uh, being willing to come out at such short such short notice. Oh, man, it's cool. Um, I appreciate you it's guys. It's Mama's Day. Yeah. Hey. Did you see your mom today? Nah, she's in Memphis, and 
um, just due to like a lot of health health problems and things okay. that God has brought her through. Um, yeah. She's considered high risk, so oh, wow. Muay Thai okay. just dies down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds bad, but it's not. She's doing great. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah is great. She's, she's doing great, but cautious. she's yeah. she's immune yeah. compromised. Yeah, so. I have yeah. to be cautious. Got to be smart. Um, yeah. But I want to thank you guys for having me. Um, yeah, always love having hard conversations like this. Oh yeah, you want to yeah. pray us out? Sure, I got you. Um, dear God, we just want to thank you for this day. Um, just thank you for this time of fellowship and the conversations that we were able to have. Um, we just want to thank you for being amongst us um, and allowing them to remain civil, God. I just pray that we all came into this with a open heart and open mind and that we'll just be able to take something away from this, God. Um, and not only that, that we'll just continue to look to you um, and seek you through any injustices or any sins that we're committing against one another, God. Um, and I just pray that the two murderers of our brother Ahmad know that you love them and they can be forgiven and that they can turn their lives around God um, and they can just look for you um, in the midst of all of this God um, just want to pray for America as a whole God that you'll just just continue to change our minds and hearts um, and see you um, in the beauty of you and the Holy Spirit and each one of our brothers and sisters of different races, cultures, communities, whatever it may be, um, that we will just see you and not the color of one another's skin, God. Um, and through that, we'll be able to relate to one another and then we can get down to the conversations and help one another in day-to-day -day life. Um, but we just thank you just for blessing us. Um, and I just pray that daily we'll remember that the tomb is still empty and that you will come to make all things new again um and that we won't have to deal with social injustices or the sin um of this world god that we'll just all be able to love one another and new heavens and new earths god um and i just pray that you just begin to like bring about that change in our minds and our hearts and the community's hearts god um and just dealing with one another but we just thank you um thank you for blessing us with another day um because that doesn't come every day god but we just thank you for all that you have done and will continue to do um we just thank you we just thank you we can't say that enough we just proud these things in your son's name amen amen all right guys thanks again for tuning in to free wine and unleavened bread we will see you again next week